Next on BYU Sports Nation, the running back rotation inside Cougar football takes an unexpected turn. Why BYU will now count on a redshirt freshman to rise up in a crucial role. BYU TV football analyst Blaine Fowler explains what sophomore receiver Mitch Matthews can do for Cody Hoffman and how BYU controls the Georgia Tech spread option again. Plus, one of the nation's top scorers on the basketball court, Tyler Hawes, tells us why this year's team is primed to compete with the elite. We tip off BYU Basketball Media Day. And now, live on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio, it's BYU Sports Nation with your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. We'll call it a tip-off Tuesday. Happy October 8th. I am Spencer Linton, and to my right stands the pride of Copper Hills High School academics, Jerem Jordan. <laughs> academics? Also, he's a, living, he's a living and breathing BYU Sports Dictionary. I got a 23 on the ACT. I just want to throw that out. Pride and joy, brother. Barely got in. Pride and joy. Hey, wherever and however you may be listening, thanks for making us part of your day. BYU football <laughs> dealing with more injuries and the resulting rotations on the depth chart. Redshirt freshman Algernon Brown, more affectionately known as Algie, trying to Algie. Light, lighten that burden at the running back spot by stepping up the current state of the BYU wide receiving core, also in discussion. And how about a rise and shout as we welcome back men's basketball. Yeah, hoops! Media Day will include the following player web chats on BYUTVSports.com beginning at 2 p.m. Eastern. I will speak with all 11 players. Yeah, head coach Dave Rose will hold an opening news uh, press conference as well at 4.20 p.m. Eastern, followed by some additional player interviews uh, at 4.40. Uh, be tuned to uh, BYUTVSports.com this afternoon for BYU Basketball Media Day, the third annual from the BYU Broadcasting Building. If you're not quickly figuring it out, I'll just restate it. The pulse of the BYU sports world today, right here on BYU Sports Nation and BYUTVSports.com. I'm feeling fresh. Best time of the year, in my, in my humble opinion, uh, because football is in midseason form. Basketball starting up. Baseball playoffs. Hockey underway for uh, any hockey enthusiasts out there. Soccer still going. I'm just kidding. I know that MLS is approaching the playoffs. MLS is approaching playoffs. An October spectacular of sports and And my birthday. Love it. That's right. Also, Jerem's birthday month. Thank you to Kanos for that buy one, get one free gift certificate that I got in the mail. (laughs) Really excited about it. Uh, Spectacular show today. We're very excited to talk to Blaine Fowler, uh, Tyler Hawes, as we mentioned, and to get to some news about Michael Elisa. Yeah. Some... uh, some changes happening on that BYU running back staff, that's for sure. Quick reminder, you can listen to BYU Sports Nation on BYURadio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, Sirius XM Channel 143, and Dish Network Channel 980. You can also catch the show on demand every afternoon on the BYU Radio YouTube channel. That is how you listen, and this is how you get involved in our daily conversation. Send your tweets to at BYU Sports Nation via Twitter, and vote in our daily poll question at BYUTVSports.com. The BYU receiving core on topic today. Which BYU receiver will have the most receptions at the end of the year? Cody Hoffman, Mitch Matthews, Skylar Ridley, or J.D. Falslove? They are the four leading receivers in receptions right now. Yeah, and it should be noted. I, some people may be asking, well, where's Ross Oppo? Ross is currently... That's a good question. He's currently fifth on that list, so we have taken the top four as the uh, reception standings go right now. Cody Hoffman, Mitch Matthews, Skylar Ridley, J.D. Falslow. Jerem, who do you think ends up with the most catches? Cody, Cody Hoffman. It's, it's going to happen. BYU is going to get him more involved. And if BYU doesn't, that's a major failure on the offense. He's an NFL-type receiver. Mitch Matthews might end up being an NFL-type receiver, but he's a sophomore. Use him. Use Cody Hoffman, please. Rise and shout, sports friends. It's time for What's Trending. What's trending in BYU Sports Nation? Topic one. Dual threat receivers. Here's BYU head coach Bronco Mendenhall. doesn't mean anything for Cody other than now we've got um, a chance for Cody to maybe not be singled out as much. And anytime that happens, you have a chance to be more effective. Bronco Mendenhall on the emergence of Mitch Matthews, particularly last Friday night at Utah State. And it's helping Cody Hoffman. Listen, Matthews, five catches, 112 yards, three touchdowns against Utah State, all career highs, obviously. That type of performance really wasn't that much of a shock to me, who had watched Mitch very closely during fall camp. 
And eventually those type of numbers will force defenders to pay less attention to Cody Hoffman, thus opening him back up. So that said, big numbers for Mitch are only a good thing for Hoffman and the rest of the receiving core. So currently, Mitch Matthews and Cody Hoffman lead the team with just 13 catches apiece, but I have a feeling, uh, given the transition of the offense and more emphasis on the passing game, that will inflate and in a hurry. To me, this this reminds me of 2010 a little bit, where the first several games, Jake Keeps was finding his buddy, Ross Oppo. And Ross Oppo had one of the better freshman receiving years for any BYU receiver uh, ever. Uh, and he, en- he ends up having, uh, I believe, nine touchdown catches on the season and uh, had a tremendous, a tremendous season. Um, when you... That, and this might have been, uh, maybe I'm thinking of 2011, but Hoffman was, was not looked at very much. He was not used very much. Oppo was. Then later in the season, Jake found Cody Hoffman, and he emerged as a guy. I think that right now, Mitch Matthews is sort of in the Hoffman role from that year. But the difference is, you've got to keep going to the well with Hoffman. He is a really good receiver. Yeah. I- Last year, he caught 100 passes from that group of quarterbacks. That hodgepodge of injury and mixture and whatever you want to call it. 100 catches, 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns. That is a great year. Taysom Hill needs to make Cody Hoffman a 1,000-yard receiver. I think it'll happen. Cody Hoffman did that last year, as you mentioned, the hodgepodge quarterback rotation. And that's why he is a preseason second-team All-American. The fact that he did what he did, given the difficult circumstances that he played under, incredible stuff. Okay, we move on now as Coach Bronco Mendenhall. The thing is, let me let me precursor with this. Mitch Matthews didn't come out of nowhere, uh, but Hoffman hasn't played in every game. He hasn't practiced because of certain, certain different situations, injuries, suspension, um, different things. And so Mitch has just kind of taken that role and stepped up. Mitch really emerged um, in spring and then fall camp. He's been the most productive and he's been the most consistent because of just practice. And he's been healthy. And there's been no other issues. Mitch Matthews, like I said, no surprise to the coaches or those that have watched him closely through spring ball, through fall camp, and early in practice this season, did something that a lot of people just expected. So uh, more the more Matthews finds success, the better it is for Cody Hoffman particularly and that whole BYU receiving core. And I think that uh, this helps Cody Hoffman. I really think it does. And Mitch Matthews... Uh, if you had watched practice and paid attention, this was not a huge surprise, although 103 touchdowns is, is a big game. But for those that had just seen him play in games, this came out of nowhere. This was a stellar performance from a guy who hadn't really done much before. And so it's nice that BYU has another, or at least it looks like, another guy they, they can go to like that. And when you're six foot six, please take advantage of it. And, and like Trevor Maddich said yesterday on the show, Go up and get the ball. Don't let it come to you. And if you're 6'6 and you go up and get it, a 5'9 or 6'1 cornerback has no shot. Has no shot if the ball's on the money. I was screaming during uh, right before Mitch's second touchdown catch. He's lined up solo left on a 5'9, 5'10 cornerback with no safety help on the six-yard line. And I'm just I'm looking Please! around me like looking for someone to talk to. Please throw the ball to Mitch. They call a timeout, and I was like, great, there goes their chance. They come back in, they line up in the same formation, does Utah State's defense, and I'm just thinking, if they don't throw the ball to Mitch Matthews right here, this is an epic fail. Sure enough, Taysom, corner, Mitch, but uh, the one thing you mentioned is go up and get it. He kind of let it fall into his arms. but uh, it, was, it was perfectly thrown. Yeah, it was a perfect ball. The best ball. pass of Taysom Hill's BYU career right there. Wow. It was awesome. All right. It was that good. Uh, and in a couple of moments, uh, or minutes, we'll ask Blaine Fowler how BYU gets Cody Hoffman more involved. Topic two. A stable of backs minus one. Here's Jamal Williams on the surprise, Michael Elisa's season-ending injury. I was surprised. I didn't know it was that serious, and um, I'm going to miss him um, from, for this season. Uh, he was one of our go-to backs. He had a, a true spot on here. Um, I'm going to miss him this year, and hopefully he come back next year. Michael Elisa is expected to miss the rest of the season. You heard from Jamal Williams a moment ago. 
Uh, he's had a, a broke his arm last year. It didn't heal properly. A couple weeks before the season started, they they he had surgery on it, and then he has a groin injury that's emerged as well. And so we heard from BYU Athletic Media Relations this morning, and they said. They do not anticipate that Michael Lisa will play again this season. There will be rehab examinations. BYU is going to apply for a medical redshirt after the season, which is no surprise and entirely applicable in Michael's specific situation. So what does this mean for the BYU running backs? Well, anytime you lose a key contributor, uh, you, take, you take a step back. And Michael Elisa not only brings experience to the table, but he's he's a natural leader. He's somebody that his teammates look up to. Um, the good part is I, he'll still be on the sideline, and I still think he'll be able to rally his troops. Here's the good news. Redshirt freshman Algie Brown has really stepped up uh, in place of Michael and his injury ailments and, and whatnot. So Algie Brown has done a nice job. Big, physical kid, not afraid of contact, uh, in a lot of ways runs like Michael Elisa. He he likes to run people over, um, but he's still quick enough to uh, show you some of that shiftiness that a running back needs to succeed in the BYU football program. So with Michael Elisa out, yeah, it's a blow, no question. The only senior among those running backs. But BYU has a talented core. Really, there are four capable halfback running backs that can all get it done. Adam Hine, Paul Asike course, Jamal Williams, and then Algie Brown, who I just mentioned. So BYU, even though they lose Michael Elisa, which is a, uh, a tough break, I think they'll be okay. Break is the right word to use it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> nice. Where's the rim shot when we need it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I looked at some of the stats of the different running backs that you mentioned. So Jamal Williams, uh, obviously the man. Uh, he's only had 27 carries the last two games compared to 63 the first two, by the way. That's kind of slowed down a little bit. Expect a little more Jamal this week. Uh, with Paul Lasique, 15 carries, 87 yards, touchdown against Texas. Since then, 22 carries, 75 yards, last three. Capable, not the main guy, but one of those guys you need. He's kind of the third option there. Adam Hine hasn't really done much as a running back this year. He'll play this week, by the way, after missing last week with a concussion. Four carries, three yards on the season. But he's number two nationally in kick return. I was going to say, however, 34.6 per game. And then Algernon Brown, you mentioned it. So the last two games, 27 carries, 111 yards. And then BYU has other options there. But those are really the guys. And when you, when you run BYU's offense the way they do, the tempo, the diamond formation, you've got to have four running backs, three that are solid, and then another guy that's ready. Because, In my opinion, because Algernon Brown had a... Breakout game against the backups against Middle Tennessee, and then had a solid game against Utah State. The BYU coaching staff decided that they would that Michael Elisa, if he was sort of on the fence with an injury, that they would be in okay shape with Algernon Brown. If Algernon Brown's not there, I think, in my opinion, Michael Elisa is still playing this year, and they use him the rest of the year despite the injuries. Nice to have that depth. Yeah. I'm sure, for the BYU coaching staff. And really, you want Michael Elisa to get healthy. That's what it's about. You want him to be able to perform at his top level. And I think if you ask Michael right now, he hasn't been at his top level since that arm injury last year against Weber State. Uh, uh, Hawaii. Oh, sorry, Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's been, it's been a while. And he was the man yeah. two years ago. Jamal Williams, because of the injury to Michael Elisa, got an opportunity. And made the most of it. Yes. And now Jamal is the guy in the backfield. Uh, but that's not to say Michael Elisa can't come back with uh, you know, a fury, a vengeance, a resurgence. That, you, you need a bunch of guys? Yeah. You, you need, need a stable. In this offense, you need a bunch of guys that can run hard, physical, and uh, you know, go fast, go hard for the 170 millionth time that we've said <laughs> this on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, do we have somebody keeping track of that? We should, we should get somebody else. GFGH. <laughs> GFGH. Yeah. I like that. Hashtag. Uh, some additional notes. It's homecoming week, Jerem. We failed to mention that, that yesterday. That means like nothing to me, honestly. What? Yeah. You're not a traditionalist? Well, what are you going to do this week that has to do with homecoming? I'm going to celebrate the fact that it's homecoming. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> no, there's some cool activities for people. I just, I just don't. To me, it's all about, hey, we're playing Georgia Tech in football this week. I, I'm not going to the True Blue foam run. I'm not hiking the Y. I'm not, I don't know. I think it's fun and exciting for those that come back to campus. And I'm, ex- I'm excited that 
there's more buzz around campus. But for me personally, it's not that big a deal. You're not going to buy front row seats to the homecoming spectacular? I've never been. I've heard it. You know, I wish they called it homecoming and then I am the one that calls it spectacular or not. Right? <laughs> Don't tell me if it's, it's spectacular. I'll tell you. Right? <laughs> no? Let me form my own opinion. I sound super negative right now. I, I just... It's more about the football game than it is like the uh, the parade. Okay, speaking of the football game, BYU hosting Georgia Tech, 5 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Eastern. That game will air on ESPNU, national broadcast for the Cougars and Yellow Jackets. We're bringing back something that... Bring it back! Yeah, we're bringing it back. Uh, a storyline that kind of disappeared for a while. It was It was all the rage when it first came out, and there was this huge Twitter debacle about the jersey situation with BYU in the tradition, spirit, honor fashion. But then it was settled. There was a compromise between Bronco Mendenhall and his team, and it essentially went away. Well, guess what? This week this is, is the week. tradition, spirit, honor week. I hadn't even thought about it much until you just reminded me. <laughs> I don't know how basically to answer that. It's been documented enough, so <laughs> I think we'll all smile. There's yeah. nothing like fake media laugh, by the way. <laughs> can we can we play that again? Can we hear that? I hadn't even thought about it much until you just reminded me. <laughs> I don't know how basically to answer that. It's been documented enough. So <laughs> can, can I think you? we'll all smile. I think the girl was natural. I think the girl's laugh was actually genuine. In that one, I, I heard the one girl. It's like, oh, I, I better laugh, then we'll get a better answer. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, when Bronco first broke this down uh, during fall camp. Uh, he's very self-deprecating, um, very humorous in his unique Bronco way. Yeah, uh, talking, comparing his wanting to have tradition, spirit, honor on the back of the jerseys permanently. He, he compared that to you, you, I got really excited to like an anniversary gift, and then you get home and you see your wife's expression, and you're like, okay, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was the Chrome toaster, if you will. Uh, that, that didn't pay the chrome off. toaster. <laughs> nice, <laughs> you know. Toaster's great, and it's pretty because it's chrome. But really, your wife's like, really? You, you bought me a, a chrome toaster? Okay, maybe that that's a stretch. It's probably a stretch here on BYU no, Sports I, Nation. I get you. Okay, I feel you. But the tradition spirit honor jerseys are out for all to see this Saturday in the BYU Georgia Tech homecoming football game. Here's how they're going to decide who gets what number. By the way. So they started at the beginning, number one, and then they just went tradition, you know, next number, spirit, next number, honor, and so on. Not everyone will dress, per se, and there are multiple numbers. Um, so, so not, for example, Rob Daniel is number four on defense, so is Taysom Hill on offense, number four. So it's you can't really predict who's going to be what on Saturday. Yeah. So when they run out, that's when you'll see who's wearing what. and And it's... It's, uh, I mean, this has been done in the past by other teams. You know, uh, some service academies have done this. Utah did this with kind of uh, war uh, adjectives and, and descriptions and that kind of thing. Um, so BYU doing it for one game, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. And, of course, the jokes will happen. You know, tradition passes the touchdown to honor who receives it or whatever. <laughs> but it'll be kind of fun for one game. I'm, glad it, I'm really glad it's not the whole season. I think that would have been really, really weird and a mistake. But uh, one game, one game's fine. Yeah, I'm okay with it. it it's fun. I actually think it's BYU cool. will be made fun of nationally by sports center anchors and whatnot. But I'm okay with it. Bring it on. Yeah, bring it on. Hey, really quick reminder: Georgia Tech running back David Sims and head coach Paul Johnson will join us later this week, as will former BYU linebackers Rob Morris Sweet. and David Nixon. Great stuff coming later this week on BYU Sports Nation. Coming up next, BYU basketball star Tyler Haas joining the program. Plus. Former BYU quarterback Blaine Fowler discussing BYU's improved passing game and how the Cougars get more out of Cody Hoffman. You're listening to BYU Sports Nation. We'll be back with more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is Nate Austin, and you are tuned in to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Thank you, Nate. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan here. You can follow us at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jerem Jordan. Join the show's growing Twitter following at BYU Sports Nation. Updated poll results. Which BYU receiver will have the most receptions at the end of the year? Cody Hoppin leading the way at 56%, followed by Mitch Matthews 
Skyler Ridley, and then J.D. Falslev. Uh, let's get to a tweet uh, in reference to Michael Elisa. If you're just joining us, Michael Elisa is not expected to return this year for the BYU football team at running back uh, due to a groin uh, injury and a forearm injury. Um, so BYU will get more out of uh, Paula Sique and Algernon Brown, it appears. Uh, a tweet in reference to this, at go underscore riboflavin. We heard from him or her earlier this week. He said, uh, we are stacked at running back, need to move him, meaning Elisa, back to linebacker. So keep, a, keep those tweets coming at BYU Sports Nation. Blaine Fowler, BYU TV analyst, college football expert, really extraordinaire, uh, joining us now in studio. And Blaine, coming off the BYU-Utah State win, which, oh, by the way, my wife actor was Mitch Matthews. You picked him every week until I stole him from you last week. And he won, so we'll get that out of the way first of all. And well, then, wait a minute, you said stole him from me. I thought I gave him to you. I mean, Blaine for his own good, gave him. To, I asked. I, Blaine. I lifted the bad karma off him by giving him to you. You're giving yourself so much credit. And and the other thing is, is that I, I took I took Waniunga as well Who had to give him good, good karma, and he you know he has an unbelievable day. So the only thing is, is that I should have done it against Utah, you know, before. And I, I don't know why I waited this long to realize that that was what was going on. So For those confused about what the heck a Y-Factor is, in the pregame show on BYU TV called Countdown to Kickoff, watch it every week, an hour before the game starts on BYU TV, we go around the horn and everyone picks an X-Factor or a non-Taysom, Jamal, Cody, Kyle guy that's going to influence the game. So the joke is that Blaine has picked Mitch Matthews every game this year. And then Spencer picked him. Now Spencer has two wins on the air, and Brian has two. Now let me tell you something as the producer of this. It's easier for an offensive player to get the Y factor than a defensive player. It just true. is. Because how many tackles do you have to make up for a touchdown? Like eight. Well, well here, You have here's to do something thing. crazy. You have to get an interception or a fumble recovery if you, or something. If you actually take last week as a for instance um, – you take what Mitch did, big time game, but the number of receptions and touchdowns and all that, more players have done that in the history of BYU and then some that have made 16 tackles in a game. Right. And and Wani wasn't even considered, which he should have been. But oh, you, he was considered. Yeah, but that's, but, but it point, was over Johnny on the to, second to, one. To your point, you give Mitch Matthews it. It is harder to do it if you're a defensive player. Yeah. I'm gonna we're gonna admit that. So whenever whenever you guys pick a defensive player, I just kind of chuckle because the chances are it's not going to be that guy. I only did it because I wanted to take the bad karma off of Mitch and put some good karma. You on are Wani. such a good guy, Blaine. So and I might pick the same guys next week because it worked. <laughs> Well, yeah, we'll draw straws for that. That's for sure. An incredible game for BYU in so many ways. Um, let's start with the offense. What did you like most from that offense besides the obvious passing stats? Well, they they seem to be getting confidence. And, and I think that Robert and I is falling into um, a better pattern and understanding of the plays to call to maximize the talent that he has. And, and he even said at the beginning of the year that this would be a work in progress and it was a marathon and not a sprint. And he's th- they're throwing the ball earlier in downs, which is, is giving Taysom confidence. It's easier to throw the ball on first down when they don't know what you're going to do than throwing on third and 11. They've been more effective on first downs. They had less third and longs um, than they've had in the previous games. And, and we see that when, when Taysom can set his feet, and when he's got the time to throw, he can be an accurate thrower. Um, and he was very accurate even on some of those deep balls. So I, I, I think we're seeing an evolution of this offense, and they're, they're getting confidence and finding themselves. I think they're just going to continue to get better from this point forward. I really do. And I felt good about it because 31 points, it felt like it should have been 45. There should have been a couple more scores there. BYU pulled off the pedal a little bit. BYU still went 5 of 13 on third down. And the offensive line, I didn't think, played extremely well, despite that fact. And remember, Utah State, arguably, I would say, is the best defense they faced this year. They're at least the equivalent. I think they're better at linebacker than Utah. I think they're better at corner than Utah. And so Utah's got a pretty good defensive line. But um, And so I would say it's the best defense they've played so far this year and maybe one of the best they'll play all season long. So this wasn't done. You know, We talked the week before, oh, Middle Tennessee State, they made an advance throwing the football. Okay, so that was Middle Tennessee. What about when they play Utah State? Well, Middle, you know, Middle Tennessee is not a top twenty-five defense. Utah State is a top twenty-five defense, and BYU still made progress. So that's the thing that was impressive to me. They did it against quality players. 
Your former teammate, ESPN college football expert Trevor Maddich, said the same thing. Utah State is a legitimate top 25 defense, so to put up 31 in Logan uh, is an impressive mark. Let me ask you this, though. Chucky Keaton goes out of the game. Torn ACL and MCL. He's done for the year. Does be, does that diminish the, I don't know, the effectiveness or maybe the, the skill level of surrounding BYU's win, just the, the overall grade of that game? No, because it didn't affect their defense. Now, emotionally, it may have for a short period of time, but you had quality players on D, and BYU put up that point total. Chucky Keaton was would make a difference. Would Utah State have scored more points? I believe they'd have scored another touchdown or two. That still would not have gotten them a win in this ball game. So it became it became a dominating performance by BYU, and I think they still would have won comfortably had their offense played the way they did. Because Chucky Keaton's a great player. And, and, you know, a testament to him, we were here in the studio, uh, you know, doing the game. And when he got hurt, to a person, the 200 or so fans that were in the studio with us were all terribly disappointed that he got hurt. How many times can you say that about an opponent? I mean, the state has universally kind of taken Chucky in as a, he's a great player, he's a great kid. So everyone was disappointed. But to say that having him in that game would have made the difference in a win or a loss. No, they, they maybe would have scored another touchdown or two, but BYU, I think, still would have comfortably won because of the way they move the football offensively. And that's saying a lot, what you said about that crowd with Chucky. If Travis, the same thing happened to Travis Wilson, let's be honest, it's not the same reaction. No, people wouldn't have cared about him. You're right. They wouldn't have. They would have said, well, oh, that's too bad he got hurt. Chucky Keaton, they were like visibly bothered by it like like they they were he's such a good kid and oh he's done so many good things and he's brought this program on his shoulders but they were genuinely disappointed without exception BYU fans that Chucky Keaton got hurt that that tells you a lot about that kid yeah and you look ahead to uh Georgia Tech uh a team that uh, BYU handled last year one of BYU's best wins I thought BYU's best win last year was Utah State followed by Georgia Tech not just the that BYU won on the road against Georgia uh, in Atlanta, but that they won so uh, played so well uh, in a game where Ziggy comes out, he's on draft boards after that game, BYU stu- uh, stuffs the spread option. What do you think of this year's version of Georgia Tech? I think offensively they're very similar to what they were last year, and, and Broncos had a lot of success against option teams, and dates all the way back to when he was a co- coordinator in New Mexico. He has the advantage of having played Air Force Every year for how many years? So he's got a great plan. He's got great keys that he gives to his safeties and his linebackers, you know, run past keys. And so he's had success stopping the option, and none better than he did last year against Georgia Tech. I mean, he grounded their ground attack. You know, they, they come in here um, as, as the number 7 rushing team in the country, 300 yards a game. That was the same as last year, and BYU held them to just a little over 100 yards rushing. 117. That's, that's unheard of for Georgia Tech. BYU has the same kind of team speed defensively that they had last year, and that helps. And they have the same kind of fundamental reads that they'll make. So I do believe that BYU can slow this team down. Where I think Georgia Tech is better than last year is I think their defense is better than they were. This is a top 25 defense that Georgia Tech has, and they've played some good competition. You just, I don't know if you guys watched the Miami game the other I day. But, but this is a team that's 25th in the country in scoring defense, 20th in the country in total defense, and um, they're 58th, and there's a lot of people bunched up between 30 and 60 in turnover margin. You know, BYU's 107th in turnover margin. That hurts. So so I, I do think that this is a team that is very much improved defensively. And so, but I don't think they're better than Utah State. So I think BYU will have success if they have the kind of balance they had last week. And I think they'll shut them down the way they did run the football last year. And I think Georgia Tech will get gassed by the end of the game playing at elevation. Talking with Blaine Fowler, current BYU TV analyst and former BYU quarterback here on BYU Sports Nation. Blaine, the schedule, it would seem, gets progressively more difficult in terms of BYU's defense facing some really prolific offenses. Uh, I'm not going to say Houston is there, but Houston runs really quickly. They run a lot of plays. Uh, Then you have Notre Dame and Wisconsin. And so BYU has some challenges defensively moving forward. How do they remain consistent and continue to dominate this way? It really is about about team speed that makes that's the reason BYU is so good defensively. And isn't that funny? Did you just say BYU yeah. and speed isn't in that the same funny? sentence? It just doesn't even seem like that that <laughs> even makes sense if we think about the history of BYU. I know I I hate that stigma so bad. Yeah, and so so BYU on the edges, especially on the interior, 
they have as much team speed as anybody. I'm talking as much as Alabama and USC and these teams. That's quite the statement. Well, do you think that anybody has two outside linebackers as a pair faster than Kyle Van Noy and Alani Fua? Beach nope. off to find, no way. Yeah, they, they don't. Yeah. And BYU doesn't usually have that. We say that, but now the last couple of years they have. And then do you think, name me a nose, you know, nose tackler or nose guard in the country that has more quickness than Ethan Matamaluna. And It's not going to be a guy that, yeah. And, and no. you know, Bronson Kafusi, when he came out of high school, was a top five recruit at his position in the United States. And so so now you're, you're starting to talk about guys. I wouldn't trade Craig Bills and Daniel Sorensen at those safety positions for many tandems of safeties in the country. So now you, now it's not just BYU really schemes well and Bronco, because he's always done that. Bronco's been able to have good defenses with, with teams that didn't have that kind of team speed and talent. Well, he's loaded with talent right now. You combine that with his ability to coach, as long as they stay healthy with that kind of team speed, they're going to be really, really good defensively. And it's for the first time in a long time, they've got a combination of some of the best, best athletes in the country at their positions along with a scheme. How does BYU take better advantage of Cody Hoffman? Well, I, I think that last week will bode well for Cody moving forward because I think Taysom took a huge confidence boost last week, and he got the ball to Mitch Matthews. Twofold, the reason that it'll help Cody. Now teams are going to go, oh, wait a minute, they do have another guy. Now we got to cover 10, which will get him less doubles. And I think Taysom's confidence will just continue to flourish. I think we'll see them throw the ball a little bit more as the year progresses, and he'll have more opportunities. So, you know, that, that game last week served a couple of purposes, and that was to take the focus away from him and to build Taysom's confidence. Both of those will result in more throws to, for him down the road. BYU and Georgia Tech this Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Mountain. A game set to be aired on ESPN. You can watch Countdown to kick off with more of Blaine Fowler. And uh, my Blaine's actually not on this one. He's oh, traveling right. this week. That's yeah, right. Tell us about the game you're going to do. I've got an NBC game this week. I'm back doing Richmond at James Madison in Harrisonburg, Virginia this week for the NBC Sports Network. So I don't get to be. But I will be watching it on TV. I'll get back to my hotel and watch it on TV. So who's your Y factor? Oh, I'm gonna, you <laughs> it know won't what? be official, but you get a pick. I'm going to pick Waniunga just because it really worked out well for us. And I'm hoping the Spencer will stick with Mitch <laughs> because don't mess with something that's not broken. Yeah, it's hard. it's going to be hard to go away from Mitch Matthews. Let's be honest. After that game, yeah, yeah, I, I, it's going to be hard to go away. I'm not going to reveal he, it yet. But here's but. the thing: if he has another game like that, then he can't be a Y factor anymore. He's going to have to be an A factor. Yes, if he has another Hundy plus three yeah. TDs, it's over. E- eventually, he just moves right over to the A factors. He's off the board. Of the Blaine, thanks for the time. You bet. Blaine Fowler, always a pleasure to have him in studio with us. Really quickly, let's get to uh, some of your tweets in regard to our poll question today. And we asked you which BYU receiver will end the season with the most catches. We took the top four currently Cody Hoffman, Mitch Matthews, Skyler Ridley, and JD Falsliff. Uh, at Dan Haslam, good friend of the show, chiming in saying Cody Hoffman will still end up, without a doubt, having the most catches. Keep uh, your tweets coming at BYU Sports Nation. We remind you, it's Men's Basketball Media Day. Player web chats on BYUTVSports.com start at 2 p.m. Eastern. All 11 players will be interviewed by Spencer Linton. We should mention that BYU did add two walk-ons to the roster uh, this morning. So they've now fleshed it out to 13. Chase Fisher is a transfer from Wake Forest. He's on the team, but... D one D one transfer rules. He has to sit out, and so those two players' names are Graham Pinnegar, a six foot eight freshman forward from Colorado who plans on serving a mission after the season, and Andrew Johnston, a six three one hundred eighty five pound guard from Snow Canyon in Saint George. He's a sophomore. He's served a mission, and so BYU now has its roster set for the twenty thirteen fourteen season. I can't remember a time that I personally was this excited about the prospect of a team, their athleticism, uh, their potential. I'm not expecting BYU to to win every game. I'm telling you. Jimmer was an amazing player to watch individually. Okay, That That team was awesome. That team was good. That team was good, but they had a superstar. I feel like this team, in terms of uh, its cohesiveness and all-around capability— is going to be one of the most solid teams that BYU ever has. You're are you saying you're more excited about this going into this year than you were Jimmer's senior year? You had a preseason AP first team All American. 
And I'm you, talking about you a knew team. Sweet 16 was in the cards. A, I'm not talking about a team, though. I mean, no, I'm, you just said a team. You're excited about I this said, as a I'm team. I said I'm talking about a team. Jimmer created a buzz in and of himself. He was an unbelievable Jackson, player. Jackson, Brandon, Noah, Charles. You weren't excited about that team? I was excited, but they were overshadowed by Jimmer. I don't feel like... I'm Tyler Haas is... Th- He's I, only six spots behind where Jimmer finished as a score. Number seven. Just saying. The potential. The potential for this team to be an amazing... Program going forward, it's, it's all there. All the pieces are there now. I'm very excited about this team. I'm not as excited as I was about Jimmer's senior year just because you you really knew what you had. With this team, you know you've got talent. It's whether it can mesh. And the big concern with this team, which we'll address this afternoon during the, the uh, web chats, is how, what are you going to get from the post? You know what you've got on the perimeter. You know what uh, Matt Carlino is going to get you, Tyler Haas. Kyle Collinsworth is going to be a stud and awesome this year. But what are Eric Mika, Nate Austin, Josh Sharp, and Luke Worthington going to do in the post? You're really relying on two freshmen to produce greatly. And they're extremely talented. They've got to bring it. Uh, and if they do, this season is going to, be, going to be awesome for BYU basketball. I can tell you what I'm expecting. Alley-oop! Yeah, no kidding. Dunk City. Lob City in Provo, Utah. Who'd have thought it? Man, I... BYU Basketball Media Day, we're just getting started. Uh, Up next, we go inside with one of the Cougar basketball stars, Tyler Haas, joining BYU Sports Nation next. And continue to send us your tweets at BYU Sports Nation. Keep it here. Stay with us. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this. And now, back to more BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Jerem Jordan, Spencer Linton here. Saturday, we've got you covered for BYU's homecoming football game against Georgia Tech. Pre-game coverage on BYU Radio starts at 5 p.m. Eastern time. BYU TV's countdown to kickoff starts at 6. The game's at 7 Eastern on ESPNU and BYU Radio. Listen and watch to post-game coverage on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Let's update the poll results for you on BYUTVSports.com. Which BYU receiver will have the most receptions at the end of the year. And so far, Cody Hoffman leading the way at 58%, followed by Mitch Matthews, 34%. Skyler Ridley, 6%. J.D. Falsev, 2%. Okay, so Cody Hoffman, uh, many expecting him to do great things. No surprise there. And if Mitch Matthews and the rest of the gang continue to do what they're going to do, then Cody Hoffman will continue to get open. Tyler Hawes is an extremely talented basketball player. If you're not familiar with BYU Hoops, and you're just new to the program that way, you'll know Tyler Haas right off the bat. He is the returning seventh leading scorer in the nation, so a top 10 scorer. Uh, had a really interesting summer, which we'll hear about, and Tyler joins the program right now. Tyler, first of all, what are you most excited about as you approach this new BYU basketball season? Gosh, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for this this year. I um, It feels like all the guys are really excited about uh, this season, and uh, everyone's working hard, and there's there's definitely a a new energy and a new enthusiasm um, in, in practice, and, and guys are ready to go. So we're all looking forward to it. Tyler, I know that this team might be the best dunking team BYU has ever had with the addition of Eric Mika, and I know that you can get up and throw it down, but are you looking forward to that first big alley-oop, whoever it comes against? Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and Eric is, too. Uh, Eric's the guy who just he loves to dunk and he tries to dunk everything and uh, but we got we got lots of guys that like to get out and uh, run the floor and so uh, I think fans can expect to see some of that this year. It's a unique roster because you can have 13 scholarship guys. You have 11 on the roster, uh, but. 10 scholarship guys because Chase Fisher has to sit out a year since he transferred from Wake Forest. How will you guys handle the, I guess, uh, less players on the team to, uh, you'll have a shorter bench this year? Well, I think that that just means we have a shorter rotation and um, guys are going to get lots of minutes and, but I, you know, I think we have all the the weapons and pieces we need to put together a really good year. Uh, And then our guys are hungry. I mean, when in practice and when guys get in game situations they uh they're looking to make things happen and so uh, that that's made me really excited and 
Um, I mean, guys are just going to get a lot of playing time and uh, be able to contribute in lots of different ways. Tyler, why does this team feel like it has a legitimate shot to win its first West Coast Conference championship? Uh, I I think it's because uh, we are hungry. I mean, we we didn't perform the way we wanted to last year during conference, and um, that's kind of lit a fire in, inside a lot of guys. And we're trying to bring the the young guys along um, and and help them catch that vision and fire as well. And uh, I think uh, I think that hunger is is what's going to help us this year. Talking with Tyler Haas, uh, BYU men's basketball player here on BYU Sports Nation. Tyler, when you return home from your mission, uh, did you expect to finish the year seventh in the country in scoring? No, uh, no, I didn't at all. Um, I I knew, you know, I, I had high expectations for myself, and I knew I could put the ball in the basket, but I didn't think I'd end that way. Um, so it was it was, it was fun. Uh, having that year I had last year, but uh, we we just got to build on it this upcoming year. So how do you get better this year after uh, 21.7 points per game a year ago? Uh, you know, you really you can't worry about that stuff uh, as a player. You got to just go out and uh, try and help your team win. You got to make winning the most important thing. And um, if you do that, then I, I believe all the other stuff kind of comes comes and follows behind that. Tyler Haas joining BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Tyler, you had quite the summer, got to play with uh, Team USA wearing the red, white, and blue at the World University Games. How did that experience help your game progress? Oh, yeah, it's definitely helped my game progress a lot, Um, you know, on and off the floor. Uh, Just being around uh, those caliber of guys, um, I mean, you hear hear all those names uh, all the time. Um, you know, my teammates that I was with, and then the coaches, Coach Beeline and Coach McKillop and Coach Martin. I just, I, I learned so many uh, really good things that uh, have helped me expand my game. And I, I felt like I learned lots of really good leadership skills um, that hopefully I can uh, bring to the BYU program. So you bring up Coach Martin, and I, I just want to know about Frank Martin. Is, is he as intense as he always looks on the sideline? Because, Frank, quite frankly, I'm afraid of him, and I don't even know him. He's a scary dude. Uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of people are afraid of him, and, and I was too, <laughs> uh, to be honest. Uh, didn't really know what to expect, but I was, I was so impressed with uh, Frank Martin, and he's one of the most uh, personable guys I, I've met off the floor. Uh, he's, he's really good friends with, um, with all of his guys, and um, you know, if you can get on his inner, inner circle, he, he really he, he cares about you and wants what's best for you, and uh, I w- he's really intense in the game and on the court, but uh, you you love him uh, as a as a person and as a coach. Yeah, if any of our listeners are not familiar with Frank Martin, just Google Kansas State basketball and intense head coach, and you'll get uh, and then do images, and you'll see some intense facial expressions. Do video, and then you'll really enjoy. It. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Talking with Tyler Haas here on BYU Sports Nation. This roster is interesting because you have five returning guys, and then five guys that were on last year's team. If you don't count Chase Fisher, who won't play this year. Tell us about some of the new guys and and why they are good and exciting players. Yeah, we're we're very excited about our, our new guys. You know, just starting with the freshmen, uh, Eric Mika and Luke Worthington and uh, Frank Bartley. Um, I mean, they're they're great guys. Uh, you know, off the court in the locker room, I feel like they're they're glue guys and um, really just uh, good teammates, good guys to be around, but. They they work extremely hard. Uh, when when they get on the court, it's it's all business, and they want to get better. And you know, Luke and Eric are gonna um, provide a, a really big post presence for us in the middle. And they they rebound the heck out of the ball and run the floor really well for for how big they are. And uh, they they have no mercy. You know, they're only freshmen, but uh, they're they're looking to get in there and cause some havoc. Okay, Tyler Haas, we appreciate the time and uh, best of luck on the season. We remind you, uh, player web chats this afternoon on BYUtvsports.com begin at 2 p.m. Eastern, including uh, Tyler Haas. 
Uh, all 11 players will be interviewed by the Spencer Linton, Spencer underscore Linton. Oh, yeah. On Twitter. Uh, Dave Rose's press conference is at 4.20 Eastern, and then uh, player breakout interviews with media at 4.40. I will, I will join Spencer later on uh, to discuss BYU basketball in between Dave Rose's press conference and the uh, player breakouts. I'm already taking some grief on Twitter. Yeah, let me read Let me read. Bring one. it on! Uh, at David Roberts 20 says, might want to wipe the blue Kool-Aid off Spencer's lips hey, after saying hey. he is more excited about this season over Jimmer's senior. Let me clarify something. I watched Jimmer Mania from outside of Provo, Utah. I was in Southern California, and the story was more about Jimmer than it was about the team. And I don't think that that was wrong. Jimmer took over college basketball. He overshadowed the team because he was such a dynamic force. I'm not saying he didn't have great teammates. Jackson Emery was an incredible defender, good shooter. Uh, Noah Hartsock, Brandon Davies. Uh, Yeah, there were great players on that team, but Jimmer overshadowed them all. My point being, David Roberts. Are you more excited about this roster? I am more excited about the potential of the program and this roster moving forward as a team. Are you talking about this season? I'm talking about where they are right now. Like, this team, when they get some experience, is going to be really, really good. So not necessarily this year? Or are you talking about this year? This year is included in this team, right? So yeah, I'm excited about this year. I'm not saying... I'm just trying to compare... I'm not saying that BYU is going to be as good as they will be in a couple of years, because it's a process. So I'm excited about the process of BYU Cougar basketball moving forward. More than I was excited about the team that Jimmer played on. I'm not saying I was, I'm more excited about this team over Jimmer. Jimmer is in a class of his own. But I am more excited about the team and the process of getting better, where the program is headed under Dave Rose. BYU is a national power and will only get better under Dave Rose. Yeah, I'm excited about this team. Uh, There are many question marks associated with this team due to the fact that uh, BYU only has 10 scholarship players playing. That worries me a little bit. You can have 13. BYU is going to use, they have 11 scholarship players on the roster, but Chase Fisher is one of those. He's going to sit out. So you have 10. Post-depth, huge question. Nate Austin, Josh Sharp, and then you have two freshmen, Eric Mika and Luke Worthington, who may be the two, the two most talented freshman posts that BYU's had in a long time come in here. Both are really good. Mika is nationally known from his AAU team with Nick Emery and TJ Haas. Those guys are tremendous. And so it's, it's going to be a fun year. There are some question marks, but I, I'm excited to see how this team answers those questions. One more reminder, a friendly reminder, player web chats on BYUTVSports.com begin in a little over an hour, 12 p.m. Mountain, 2 p.m. Eastern, again on BYUTVSports.com. Those young freshman post players, uh, they will be on location, available for questions. You can chime in with hashtag BYUTVSports. And these interviews are meant for you, the fans, to interact with them. That's the point. It's not for Spencer to talk to them. It's for Spencer to mediate a conversation between the two of you. Later in the afternoon, we'll get to those interviews about the X's and O's and all that. But weigh weigh in. Chime in and get involved on BYUTVSports.com today. Coming up, the Cougar whip around, plus today's rise and shout, and more of your tweets. Continue to call me out. I dare you. (laughs) This is BYU Sports Nation. We'll be back with more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is Tyler Haas, and you are in BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Go Cougs. That's what's up. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio with Jerem Jordan and Spencer Linton. Let's whip it! It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Women's Volleyball. The 24th ranked women's volleyball team hosting Santa Clara this Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. The Cougars lead the West Coast Conference with an unbeaten 5-0 record trying to make it six straight. Get out your six-shooter. Watch it live on BYU TV and listen on BYU Radio. Soccer. I don't own a gun. The women's team begins WCC play at San Francisco Friday. BYU defeated 20th-ranked Baylor on Saturday. Golf. Are you making a political statement there, Jerem? No. The women's golf team is in Las Cruces, New Mexico this week, competing in the Price Give em 5. The Cougars are in ninth place after day one at 16 over par. Sounds like me as an individual. <laughs> Coming up later this week, 
Uh, tomorrow, Rob Morris and David Nixon. It's a linebacker Wednesday. We're going to break down Kyle Vannoy. We're going to talk a ton of Kyle Vannoy. Vannoy Day! And later in the week, Georgia Tech head coach Paul Johnson and running back David Sims. Very quickly, how about a fan rise and shout to Francisco Ruiz at Holler. FRuiz801. And here's why. He's an avid participant on BYU Sports Nation. He, he's involved in our conversation, and we're using you, Francisco, as a reason for everyone out there to get involved heavily because we love the fan participation. We like it when you call us out. It makes the show interesting. We don't take phone calls. We use tweets. That's the medium that we're going to communicate with you. So tweet at BYU Sports Nation. And someone did just a minute ago. Let's see, Kimball, which is at G.I. Thigh. He says, with the depth at center... Do we wish Bronson Kafusi was coming back for the 2013-14 season? Mm. Bronson Kafusi would not hurt BYU basketball, that's for sure. Yes, but it's not going to happen because he's a starter now. And last year was a Band-Aid. It was, oh man, we have a real need and we're going to bring you in after the bowl game. And BYU needed him in some games. Just a couple fouls. Hey, Kelly Olenek, I'm going to hammer you. And uh, Gonzaga fans didn't appreciate that, and BYU fans will always remember that. But BYU needed him just as a guy, the third guy off the bench at post. BYU luckily brought in two uh, freshmen for that this year, and they've got to stay out of foul trouble. Yeah. Or else Bronson will be coming back to the basketball team. Well, I would love Bronson to come back and play basketball, but again, there's too much at stake. He's, he's a high-profile football player. The guy's gonna, most likely he's going to play in the NFL. He's got to get some sacks if that's going to happen. He has no sacks this year. Well, he's got to he's got he's got to make that happen. Don't he, maybe you have awoken the sleeping giants. I hope Jerem. so. No, he's he's talented, but he's got to get sacks. Bronson Kafusi, Jerem Jordan has called you out. <laughs> I love Bronson. Spencer and I did some of Bronson's games back in high school. He's he's a champ. Speaking of national champ at or champions at uh, Farley Rules. This is Chris Farley from the grave. No, it's David Farley. He says Mika is also a high school national champion. Eric That's right, Mika. Lone Peak won the national championship. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jerem, but a majority of that team uh, is headed to play BYU basketball. Uh, three, three of them for hoops and one of them for football. Talon Shumway is on a mission. He's going to play receiver for BYU. Good stuff. BYU Sports Nation sadly coming to a close, but not before we give a big thanks to our guests, Blaine Fowler, star basketball player Tyler Hawes, and everyone on our BYU Sports Nation crew, producer Ben Bagley, senior coordinating producer Michael Miner, BYU radio station manager Don Schlein, production assistants Alan Miller and Spencer King, and our engineer Aaron Evans. A reminder about Basketball Media Day starts at 2 p.m. Eastern on BYUtvsports.com. Check out archived episodes of BYU Sports Nation on the BYU Radio YouTube channel every afternoon. For Spencer, I'm Jerem. This is BYU Sports Nation.